There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Net Zero Carbon. I'm Tyler Cole, your host, and this is the show at Frey Waves, where we deep dive on decarbonization, as always, with a lens on freight fuels and energy. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Philip Mossener, Corporate VP of Advanced Technologies at WAPTEC. Philip, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I'm excited to dive in. And I got to admit, I, I have a deep background in a lot of current emissions technologies, biofuels, ethanols, and small batteries, but I'm interested to hear from you what's coming next and specifically within the rail industry, which I know WAPTEC uh, has a huge presence in as one of the primary locomotive manufacturers. But enough for me. Let's get your background a little bit. Can I hear some, uh, some about your role at WAPTEC as well as just an overview of what WAPTEC does? Okay, great. Well, I mean, starting with the WAPTEC, um, you know, it originates from uh, the you know, George Westinghouse days. Uh, in fact, uh, WAPTEC is an acronym for uh, Westinghouse Airbrake uh, Technologies. Um, you know, it grew organically over the years, but with uh, mostly through uh, two recent acquisitions, Philly Transportation and uh, G Transportation. Um, you know, we're providers of uh, rail equipment. Um, and in pertaining to this discussion, we uh, mostly uh, freight locomotives. We have uh, 23, over 23,000 locomotives out there in the world. And, you know, one out of five freight locomotive in the world is, is a WAPTEC loco. So we're quite proud of that. Um, you know, we're 27,000 employees. Um, and, and with this, in, in my role um, in the Advanced Technologies team, we are a, a central organization that um, works with new technology and bringing them into uh, our products, uh, experimenting with them, researching them, and uh, developing uh, solutions to, uh, to see how we can integrate them. Really five areas uh, in the team where we, we focus on. One is on the uh, cloud platform called the Wattic One Cloud Platform. Uh, it's running state-of-the-art uh, containerization and orchestration software, as well as uh, having great uh, user experience uh, depth in there. We also have a, a group which is working on digital technologies, uh, focusing mostly on automation. Know, using AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and you know, deep learning, uh, IoT, all these devices, all these new technologies, te digital technologies, and bringing them and see how we can maximize and, and utilize them in the best way in our products. We've got uh, product cybersecurity, you know, working on processes and tools to develop secure applications across our business. Uh, we also have a uh, additive manufacturing team where we mostly focus on metal 3D printing. We have five labs. Uh, three in the U.S., one in India, and we just opened a new one in uh, France uh, this year. And finally, uh, a sustainable solutions uh, group, which uh, are focusing on the next-gen solutions, next-gen propulsions for uh, for for our products, uh, namely locomotives. And you know, hydrogen is one big, big part of our uh, our work these days. You probably have the coolest job within the company, if I were to lay that. I mean, you get to test all the fun, new, shiny toys and figure out how to make them work for everybody in the ecosystem. <laughs> oh, it's uh, we're having a lot of fun with this, I have to say. How big is that? Is the team that you're working with? How many people? Um, with uh, full-time employees, got eight, eight to eighty um, employees uh, with uh, some contractors as well in the team. So uh, a, a nice size team, uh, not too nice. big, not too small, but we can really get some some stuff done. So good. Well, we could deep dive in each one of those pillars separately and have hours of of content to get out. We may have to come back to those later, but I want to I want to drill down on the sustainable solution set and talk specifically about some of the propulsion technologies you guys are exploring. Could you tell us a little bit about 
maybe in, in general, how you're approaching that that sector, that solution, and then we can pick one, two, or three, however, however many we have time for and, and go deeper. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, our approach is a stepwise approach, right? You, you, uh, we got to get, got to get solutions that make sense for our customers that they're able to operate in their, uh, in their day-to-day activities. Um, and you know, they got to be economically viable. So, uh, and you got to go step-by-step. So, you know, if you take the, the, uh, the North American local or the freight local, I should say, not North American local, the freight local, um, we, we have the, uh, the tier four locomotive, which is, uh, um, you know, leader in this class in terms of uh, emissions, and and, uh, and we've been we released that in 2015, and we've been working hard at it to make sure we can deliver the same fuel efficiency as we have from the previous tiered locomotives. Uh, as you know, uh, there's always a trade-off when you uh, try to reduce uh, emissions. Uh, so we've uh, we've we're really proud to have achieved that. Where you know we have we have these uh, these are very uh, Efficient uh, tier four locomotives. That is the current uh, the current state of, of uh, the technology today. Um, next steps for us, you know, where we're going into, we've gone into batteries. Uh, that's been clearly announced that, and uh, we're developing that uh, very actively. Um, and then you know, batteries have, and we can talk about more in depth. Then we've got the, uh, the biodiesel biofuels, I should say, biofuel uh, space where you know gives us a, a step uh, stepwise approach to reducing carbon. And then eventually we're going to get to uh, to hydrogen, and we're working actively on that as well. Um, and uh, again, in that space, there's uh, tons of uh, options uh, that are open uh, to us. Really exciting! I like how you laid that out on the timeline because it does feel, you know, near term, mid term, long term. And if you were going to rank those, as you said, probably a biofuel near term, battery electric or hybrid somewhere in near and medium term, and then hydrogen as a longer term. How does that line up with, um, I'm not familiar with locomotive like cycles, right? How long you're developing one before that model is kind of cast and then sit out into the market. I know they have long replacement life cycles, right? These are out in the field for decades, but the design and sell of new locomotives, what does that look like? And how does that time with the, the technologies you just mentioned? It depends on the, the iteration, right? If it's a, it's, it's an adaptation as it could be short, if it's a, you know, white uh, sheet of paper it takes longer so anywhere you know again between uh, two years to seven years depending on what are you what are we dealing with right um but uh it, but that also includes you know we, we put a lot of effort and energy in making sure these products are reliable so um when we say hey you know a product is ready it's it's got to be at the uh, the right reliability uh level so we we calculate that in the flies so flies a uh, failure at local years um and continue reduce uh, the, the numbers of uh, road failures that, that we get so that we can get a product which uh, the customers can depend on. So it's a continuous uh, continuous work that we, we do. To, you know, not a question of putting a product out there and, and let it live. It's it's a continuous improvement. And then to your point, these assets, they, they live 30, 40, we've seen 50 years right in the market and um, with different iterations on them, different improvements. But uh, yeah, these are long uh, long lasting assets. Very exciting. And I think it's, as the consumer, we generally fall into thinking in model years of cars, right? That's the the analog. And that is absolutely not the case in the locomotive sector. (laughs) Can we talk about um, what's not on the the bench yet? So maybe real briefly what you guys have seen with biofuels. And when I say not the bench, like what's actually in the world, in the wild working biofuels and maybe some battery electric technologies you guys are out uh, testing. Yeah. If you start with with biofuel, um, we are, uh, our customers are very interested in biofuel. And why? Because you know it's 
with, with very minimal, I'm going to say minimal, with very small impacts on uh, the assets, a small impact on the infrastructure, you can get, you know, a step into reducing uh, carbon emissions, right? Bio D, you know, biodiesel is not exactly diesel, but it's, you know, it's close. It's got some, uh, some differences. Um, and renewable diesel is also getting closer to, to the, the blends that uh, we use. So, uh, what we're doing is making sure that if, you know, with some customers, we've got a, a nice program going on right now, a multi-year program to, to understand what is the effect of using biodiesel and renewable diesel. Uh, in uh, these assets, and you know, and typically we expect to see impacts on gaskets, hoses, you know, you know the, the chemical uh, chemical uh, compatibility, if you will, of uh, these fuels. So that's why I say minimal impact, because you know, once we understand really what happens long term, you know, short term you, you can use these, but uh, long term, what happens if you put, let's say, a B twenty, a, a bio twenty into a, into into a, a locomotive, you know, with, with B twenty you get fourteen percent of carbon reduction. And here we're talking well to wheel reduction, right? So we, when, when we look at carbon reduction, it's not just detailed pipe reduction. It's, you got to really understand the entire cycle of, uh, where you get your fuel. So, um, you know, also putting uh, 20% of biodiesel, you get 14% reduction. Very interesting, right? Uh, it's a step towards in the right direction. Um, you go to, let's say, uh, B20 R80. So uh, bio, a 20 and a renewable uh, 80, well, you're climbing up into the 60% uh, reduction. Again, well to wheel. So, um, so those are, those are nice, uh, nice quick wins. Um, there's obviously the, the, the discussion about, well, how much, you know, one tick, how much is the fuel going to be like? Right now, access to the fuel is one of those discussions. If I, you know, and uh, not only if you're going to get access to it, what's the price and where can you get access to it? So those are all the, these discussions that are, that are going on right now, but um, look, our customers are really interested in this, and that's why we've uh, taken the uh, the leap and making sure we understand um, how this works, and uh, they can uh, continue relying on our assets uh, long term. Excellent. With some of those blends, I mean, I think you explained the challenges and opportunities there really well. With some of the blends, is is some of the hurdle on on web tech side figuring out what you can warranty, what you can say, this is good, and making sure you've done the hours of work and running those locomotives in those blends so that you can make sure it's going to be um, successful for a client out in the field. Exactly. And, and that's that's our priority, coming back to reliability. You know, got to be, these, these assets need to work. Yeah, makes total sense. How are you seeing that um, compare with, let's move Minter, Ranko, Battery Electric? I know you guys have had some tests, um, I think, out with the BM, maybe on the West Coast doing some stuff. What are you seeing as uh, as far as reliability, as far as emission savings? Yeah, so, so bad, the battery space is very interesting. Um, again, a, a step approach to to getting to a full decarbonization. Um, there's uh, there, if you if you you know if you understand how a locos work, there's a lot of you know braking activity going on on locos uh, every day, going downhill or you know going into a, a speed restriction zones and things like that. So today, when we brake we use a regenerative braking, right? And that energy that's being generated by, by the, uh, the traction motor is actually blown through a stack through, a, through grid resistors and it's, it's converted into heat. That's just waste energy. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's an easy uh, punt to say, listen, let's capture that energy. Just, you know, just like the, the, uh, on a Prius, right? Uh, when you're braking, you, you recharge your batteries uh, on a hybrid, a hybrid vehicle. Um, so this is that's what the the, the batteries uh, give you. They give you the ability to 
uh, capture that waste energy for well for free uh, for you know you got to carry those batteries got to put them on there but that's that's a big big hit and uh, during the um, you're referring to the uh, the exercise or the, the demo we did in uh, California between Barstow and Stockton uh, we demonstrated that uh, we could get eleven uh, percent fuel savings that's that's what we had predicted in that you know because it's all about terrain it's about where you're operating and and the, the regime and all that so. Um, and so it really gave us what we wanted or we're looking for. And, uh, you know, battery technology in, in this sense uh, can go up to 30% of, of, of fuel saving. Um, so, so we're quite excited about that, uh, how that works. So, you know, and, and just to, to understand how, how we operate these, uh, these batteries in, in this uh, condition here is you, let's say a train is uh, made up of uh, three locomotives, right? What you do is you take one locomotive out replace it with a battery electric loco, uh, what we call the flex drive. And um, basically, it's a, it works as a train on a, a, a consist level. So we're, when we're, what we're looking at is the entire consist the train uh, uh, fuel savings. That's what's, uh, what we look at. It's, it's, not an, it's, it's not really the individual asset itself. It's really how, does it, how do they work together. So it's a system. That's why we have to change our mindset now um, and look at this as a system and not just uh, individual units uh, performing uh, on their own. So that's that's uh, you know a change of mindset that we need to to operate here. Yeah, systems thinking is lacking in the transportation space in a, in a lot of cases. So I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you described how it works because I wanted you to be able to explain for the listeners that it's not just plug and play diesel for battery. That it's all got to work together. And then the challenge is how do we how do we allocate those savings? How do we talk to customers about that? Um, that's a whole nother. We won't delve into carbon accounting on this call. Let's focus on the tech. So um, that's exciting. Where Where is that in uh, progress towards midterm targets of having more of those out in the field? Well, what's what's exciting about batteries is that, okay, I, I gave you one use case here, but in fact, there, there's, there are a bunch of other use cases. Um, you know, we don't don't stop. At, and and like, like every new technology, what we realize is that actually tomorrow's world is a little more complex than, than having a single diesel uh, space. So, you know, if you think about batteries, um, so I, I gave you like the mainline type of uh, scenario, but, you know, there are other scenarios like uh, uh, in yards, uh, switchers, uh, where you want to actually uh, reduce the local pollutants, uh, NOx and PM emissions, uh, so that you, uh, so that the, the, the environment around the yards uh, get cleaned up. So that, that's a great use case. In this case, what you do is you actually recharge your, your, your switchers, just like you would recharge an EV. This would be like the EV type of uh, approach, right? Um, so that, that, that's a, uh, a nice use case in this, um, in this space and the EV battery space. Uh, another use case is uh, where we're seeing, uh, you know, other mainline is in the mining space, uh, the moving charging approach. Uh, that, that's very interesting because, you know, the most efficient, if you take a step back and you really try to analyze this, um, uh, you know, a very, very, uh, Holistically, the best way to uh, to 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 bring power to a um, a, a, a train a locomotive is is catenary. There's no question about it. You know, electricity coming in for you know green green power coming from the grid right onto your catenary, uh, down to your pantograph and into your uh, your system. That's the best way. But you know, we got 140,000 miles of, of of track in the U.S. Um, electrifying that is it'll be super super costly. So are there other solutions? That's why battery is exciting in that space. Now, moving charging is is something similar to that, if you will. Um, you know, mining um, mining trains, very long mining trains, they they get loaded. As they load, they 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 move like one two miles an hour at a time. 
So while they're being loaded, let's say 100 cars or 50 cars, well, you have an opportunity to to actually charge your local. So imagine if you have a stretch, one or two mile stretch of uh, of catenary uh, power, which uh, the local gets uh, a chance to to reload and and get to uh, get to destination uh, with that with that power. So that's an interesting approach uh, that uh, some of our, we're looking with some of our customers. So I, again, you know, batteries we have we can try to be uh, original and try to find ways in using them. In different fashion to really tailor what uh, the customers uh, customers need. Yeah, there is no one size fits all solution, or even within a subsector or a specific technology within that sector. You've got to be very dynamic with how you're building these solutions for customers, which I guess leads us to this longer term view, right? When we're thinking about hydrogen playing a role here, that could be even more um, specific <laughs> application wise. So, what can you dive us into a little bit of what you guys and the team are exploring? Yeah, so so hydrogen is, um, of course, we're very excited about that. Um, excited because this is for us the, uh, I won't say the the end game, but close to the end game. You know, it is zero. We're looking towards or tending towards uh, zero carbon. Um, and uh, so the uh, in this space, there are really, I would say, two two families of uh, of use of, of hydrogen. One is uh, what we we hear a lot about is the fuel cells, right? Where we uh, we utilize. Uh, we, Utilize hydrogen and, and convert that into electricity through fuel cells, um, but uh, we also see maybe an interim play. And when I say interim, uh, you know, in, in real time, this is a very long interim. Um, so, uh, which is uh, burning hydrogen in an internal combustion engine. So um, we've uh, and the way that works is uh, similar to what we've done with the uh, liquid natural gas uh, uh, project uh, down in Florida. Florida East Coast, uh, where you actually have a blend of this alternative fuel, in this case, uh, like LNG, uh, with, uh, with with diesel, and um, you uh, you basically ignite uh, the fuel while while the, the you know you're compressing in, in the chamber, and the, the diesel acts as the the spark plug, ignites the fuel, and um, so therefore your alternative fuel uh, reduces your your carbon emissions. So in the case of hydrogen, uh, right now we've uh, created some, or we've uh, come into uh, an agreements with uh, Argonne National Lab, as well as Oak Ridge National Lab to uh, do some research around this, uh, how to, uh, you know, do the modeling, the, the combustion modeling inside the chambers, as well as, um, you know, modeling the, the entire process uh, with Argonne and uh, also testing it at Oak Ridge National Lab. Um, so, so we're excited about that. The work has gone going and uh, looking forward to, to see the results. The way we develop these things in the, the internal combustion engine, you start with, after you've done all your, your design analysis, then you go into single cylinder testing and uh, you, you you try to see what the behavior does, the behavior uh, and the emissions and everything that you need to test to match your, your analysis. And then once you're, ha- you're happy with that and all the tweaks, then you go to multi-cylinder uh, engine testing on a bench and eventually you go into uh, integrated loco, do your field testing and so on and so forth. So progressively you get there, but today we're at a stage of um, you know, single cylinder testing and, uh, and uh, modeling. That's got to be so exciting to see that come out of, well, it used to be on paper, now it's coming out of a digital model uh, on the computer and see that in real life, actually getting results out of a combustion test. That's exciting. It is, it is. And, uh, you know, this this technology, again, I call it a, a step approach because, you know, uh, what we're looking, aiming for right now is 50% blend, 50% diesel, 50% hydrogen. And, uh Using um, the current technologies that exist, so it's uh, it's just a question of, of tweaking them. The similar technology we used on in Florida, but then there is there there is R and D being done to actually 
pump it up to higher levels. Um, but uh, you know, as as long as you have a bit of uh, even one percent of uh, of diesel, you're still not zero carbon, right? So, which brings us. Do you to use big... renewable diesel on that? Are you guys testing that blending tip? Sorry, which one? Renewable diesel. So it's uh, it's part of the plan. <laughs> exciting. Yeah, that's so exciting. Uh, I would love to go, you know, beyond that and see what is super long term. But we gotta we gotta get there first and get through some of these near term solutions. So let me do this since we're running close on time. Ask everybody that comes on the show. I want to know personally, personally, what motivates you? So when you wake up in the morning, and you go to work on your sustainable solutions unit. Why is that important to Philip? As an engineer, you know, I find I think find this a really exciting time. I mean, you said it. I mean, they actually pay us for it to 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 play with this stuff, right? Um, you, we have we have a massive challenge ahead of us with the the, the global uh, climate crisis. Um, so you know, but at the same time, as an engineer, we have all these technologies that we're we're working with. Um, and and fantastic uh, technologies which are being incubated at our disposal. So, you know, to me, to solve the the climate crisis, engineers are going to be key to solving the challenge. It's it's, it's clear because it's all about technology. In fact, I'm going to go a a step further. I think engineers, we have the moral duty to uh, toward society to solve this issue because, as I say, part of it is is a big part of it's technology. Of course, their behaviors and all these things, but it's about technology, and uh, so so I think we 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 owe it uh, to society to to really work hard and make these these solutions, which are um, not only that that work, that are reliable, but uh, that are cost effective. That so they can be a, a, that can be adopted, and um, you know so so I think it's important to 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 put that, in, and it's, it's by making the right decisions uh, towards that. So so to your question, like what, one of the things I constantly remind my team is that we work on things that matter. Uh, not that it only matters to the company or, or and to our customers, obviously, uh, and the entire industry, but, you know, mostly it, 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 it matters to society. You know, it's important what we do here and people depend on us to actually solve these problems. So uh, so to me, you know, it's, there's nothing more exciting than doing that. So uh, yeah, that's what motivates me to do that. It, it matters. That's so encouraging. A nice little dose of techno optimism that engineers can use their powers for good to save the world. I love this. That's so good. <laughs> Philip, thank you. Thank you for for joining me, for explaining what uh, WAPTEC has going on. I'm excited to see a lot of these come out of the lab and start making a difference in the world and reducing emissions and fighting climate crisis for everybody. So thank you and your team for what you're doing and for coming on the show today. Great. Thanks for having me.